Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Hey there, I hope you're having a great day. And welcome to episode six of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Uh, In this episode, I'm going to be talking about how do you help your anxious child. And for starters, I want to talk about nine things that you should avoid doing. And now, do you have an anxious child and are you trying to raise them in a way that is effective? I get you because I have three of them. And it could be tricky because you could be trying to parent them in the way that you parent maybe your other kids or the way that other people parent their kids. And it's not working. And it's not working because you have to parent an anxious child in a completely different way than non-anxious kids. Now, that's not all the time, but a lot of the time. A lot of time, the stuff that you might have found very effective with your other kids just completely won't work with your anxious ones. So I want to tell you the things to avoid so that you can get on the right track. Now, some of what I'm going to talk about are things that I have learned from just sitting there in my practice week after week, month after month, year after year, and hearing what parents have tried to do and seeing what isn't working. And so that's actually um, a great scientific experiment because I'm getting data all the time from families on what does and doesn't work. I also have my own kids and my own experiences and things that I do because I'm human or my husband does because he's human where I'm like, okay, note to self that completely did not work. In fact, that was a horrible, horrible thing to do. Let's not do that again. So that's where all of this is coming from. So let's break it down. So number one, do not punish your kids for being afraid. This is actually a really big one. So it might seem obvious on the surface. You're like, yeah, well, yeah, obviously you don't want to do that, but a lot of parents do this. And I find even sometimes my husband and I disagree when the kids won't go to bed and it's because they're afraid. And he's taking a very typical parenting approach. You know, he's threatening them. You know, if you get out again, this is going to happen. And a lot of times they're anxious and they need a different approach completely because it's not going to work. So you want to assess what's going on with your child. Because if I was afraid that, you know, let me be totally drastic. If I was like, you know, afraid to fly and I was, you know, flying somewhere and the stewardess says, you know, if you better stop being frightened, you know, you're scaring all the rest of the travelers, you know, put a smile on that face, turn that frown upside down, or we're going to fine you $50 for being unhappy on this plane. Um, I don't think I could really turn it off. I'm still going to be white knuckled. I mean, thankfully I'm not afraid to fly. (laughs) This is a really bad example for me, but you know, you get my point. Like you can't discipline that out of somebody. Now, a lot of times I see this in my practice around sleeping. And so parents will sometimes come in purely for sleep issues, not for anxiety at all. And they'll be like, and this happens a lot. So I can give you kind of a general story and I'm not talking about any particular child, but I'm talking about many children who have come into my practice and the general story looks like this. They come in and they say, Natasha, we want you to help us because, um, he is just so difficult at night. He won't sleep. He comes out of his bedroom all the time. And, you know, he winds up in our bedroom in the middle of the night and we're too tired to put him back. 
and we yell at him and we tell him, you know, next time tomorrow you need to get back in your bedroom. And they'll say, we have tried grounding. We have tried taking away things. We have tried everything and nothing is working. He doesn't care. He doesn't have his electronics and he doesn't care. And sometimes they'll say the flip side too. We've tried to reward him. We bought this really cool bed. He has Star Wars sheets and he doesn't even care. Well, the thing is, yeah, he does care. It's not that he doesn't care. It's that they're putting a bandaid on a bullet hole. That's one of my favorite expressions. So kind of get used to it. It's going to happen a lot. They're, they're treating a totally separate issue. Well, they're focusing over here instead of focusing over there, if that makes sense. So instead of saying, you know, what can we do to change this behavior? Let's punish it. Let's reward it. You have to ask, why is he having this behavior? And I think sometimes parents, especially if they don't have anxiety on their radar or they don't understand anxiety, they miss the why component. Why is he acting this way? Um, Why does he refuse to sleep in his room? Get to that part, empower him. And we will have a full podcast on how to help your child tackle their anxiety. But, um, and you can actually, you can see that I'll put it in the show notes. I'll, I'll put a link to articles I've written on how to empower your children to fight their anxiety, because I'm not going to go into that today, but you can check that out on anxious backslash P S P dash episode. This is episode dash zero zero six. So anxious backslash P S P dash zero zero six. You can check that out. But when kids are disciplined for their fears, they actually will just get worse and their fears won't go away. So you got to empower them. You got to address their anxiety and then you can do the reward type of behavior and kind of motivate them to use the skills that you've already given them. So that is tip number one. The second one is watch what your kids are watching on TV. And you can have a really innocent TV show that an anxious child will morph into something horrible. I mean, my child has watched really innocent things. She had seen this one show where the the little boy had gotten his tooth pulled out. And for weeks, she was having nightmares about her, her tooth being pulled out. And it was a nightmare because, I mean, she was having nightmares and I was having a nightmare because she wasn't sleeping. And so it was a nightmare for both of us. It was a really bad time. So, I mean, you can't prevent everything. I, she was watching a kid's show. I mean, I can't, I can't foretell that she's going to be traumatized by something that's on a, a TV show that's for kids. But there are times where, where kids will come into my practice and they'll have watched really obvious things that are completely not kid-friendly or things that are completely not friendly to that particular child. That even I know as their child therapist, they should definitely not watch medical mysteries of the unknown or you know a special episode of germs that look around every corner. Like It's obvious that that's probably going to be triggering for some kids or watching the news in front of your child when you know that they're up late at night worrying about bad guys. So, I mean, a lot of it's just common sense. Okay. Let's talk about number three, urban legends. Kids love to be freaked out by urban legends. The most common ones that come into my office are Bloody Mary. She still exists. Well, they keep like recreating her. Like Hollywood has just recreated her over and over again. So even little kids come in with fears of Bloody Mary. Um, Chucky, Slenderman. If you don't know what these are, you can go onto my um, 
article that I wrote about this topic. I'll put a link in the show notes, but this podcast theme is coming out of an article that I wrote on my website. Actually, most of these podcast themes are coming out of articles I've already written. So I list links to these things if you don't know who these people are. But the ones that I wanted to talk about right now are Five Nights at Freddy's um, and Annabelle. Annabelle is another one that like these younger kids, like I would say six to 12 are coming in really afraid of Annabelle, which is a horror movie if you haven't seen it or heard about it. And Five Nights at Freddy's. Now, I really wish... Now, if you don't know what Five Nights at Freddy's is, it's a video game or it's a series of video games that are... It's so stupid. I actually downloaded it and I tried to play it myself because I'm like, what is the deal with this stupid video game? So you can get on your iPad. I don't know if they make an Android version. And they have like a zillion spinoffs of Five Nights at Freddy's. And all it is, is a game designed around jump scares, but it's like these animatronics come alive. But all you need to know for the purpose of this episode is don't let your anxious child play these games. I beg you. I talk to parents all the time and I'll say, please delete Five Nights at Freddy's or any rendition of something like Five Nights at Freddy's. Do not encourage them to watch anything related to that that issue because it makes anxiety worse. I can't tell you how many kids come in because they're afraid of animatronics. It's ridiculous. Okay. Well, that moves me into number four, which are YouTube videos. A big bulk of anxious kids I'm working with are getting their anxiety fueled by what they see on YouTube. And it's really unnecessary because little kids don't need to be watching regular YouTube. And if you don't know, there's a kid's YouTube app And every parent who allows their child to be on YouTube, who is little, should have the kids YouTube, because even though it's not a hundred percent, you know, guaranteed that they're going to screen everything, it's a lot better than the regular YouTube. So even if they don't have the five nights at Freddy's game, guess what they're doing? They're watching YouTubes about five nights at Freddy's ad nauseum. They're watching YouTube videos about Annabelle. They're watching YouTube videos about ghosts. It is so annoying because I will do some amazing work, I think, with an anxious kid and I'll be like, I got this. They're empowered. They're fighting their fears. I'll see them two weeks later and they're like a puddle again. And I'm like, what happened? And they'll be like, oh, Miss Natasha, have you ever heard of Annabelle? Yeah. Well, I just watched a YouTube video about it and she's real. That couple tours around America and shows Annabelle the real doll, which by the way, is actually happening. So that does not help. You know, we can't, we can't cocoon our kids, but we could kind of help a little bit. So watch the YouTube videos. You know, my kids love YouTube, but my, my little one has kid YouTube and it's only preschool and lower for her. And my older son, who's only seven, you know, it's seven and, and younger. And so nothing, hopefully nothing can pop up that is upsetting, but even then that's not a guarantee, but it's definitely better than just a free reign of YouTube. Okay. On to number five, number five are horror movie trailers. And so I can't tell you how many kids come into my office and they're afraid of all these really scary things like poltergeists and zombies. And, and I'll be like, Oh, where did you see that? And they haven't even seen these movies. They've just watched the trailers. So if you have a super, super anxious kid, be aware of the commercials during whatever you're watching. And again, you can't 
bubble kids. But if you have a little kid, you know, if you have a five, six, seven year old, you're going to be up all night for weeks on end. If you have an anxious five, six, seven year old who saw a horror movie trailer. So be cognizant of what's on your TV, because even if they're playing in the corner, they are listening. So up next, we're going to be talking about number six, seven, eight, and nine, and how they impact your kids. Number six, we're going to be talking about the news. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. So number six is the news. And I did touch on that earlier, but I just want to mention again, you know, yes, it's very good to have your child educated and you want to be in touch. But if you have an anxious kid of any age, you don't want to have the news on just unfiltered because even for me as a adult in anxiety recovery, (laughs) if that is such a thing, I'll go ahead and make it one. I don't like watching the news. It can be really upsetting to me. And I've started filtering what I watch. I don't want to be uneducated, but I also don't want to fill my head with the latest and greatest rapes and burglaries in my, in my city. That's just really not that helpful. So, you know, I'll like look up CNN or, you know, a news app that's a local news app. And I'll look at the headlines just to get like a pulse on society but I'm not going to read in detail and go on Facebook and look at everything that everyone's saying about a certain topic that upsets me because that's going to make me anxious. It's going to put me in a bad space. I'm going to be in a bad mood all day and it's just not going to do anything for me. Well, kids are the same way. So be careful because it's not fair for us to make that decision for them and say, you know what? I'm going to, I have a routine and I'm going to watch the news. I once had this girl that came into my practice and she was super anxiety ridden. And she was like, maybe like 10 and her parents had a routine in the morning. They got up, they made their coffee, they made their breakfast and they had the news on. And every week she came to me with a new horror story about that. She saw on the news. She was worried about fires because you know, that week she saw that someone's house was on fire. The next week she comes in and she's worried about burglaries because three hours away, somebody had a home invasion and she was worried about her house. And I was putting out metaphorical fires every single week because of what she was watching. And I told her parents, you know, Hey, the news is feeding her anxiety and I'm trying to work on it with her, but it's not helping when you have the news on every morning. And they were like, I'm sorry, but that's our routine. Like we want to stay in touch and we don't have any other time to watch it. And so that's what we're going to do. So you want to be flexible, you know, and you don't want to like harm your anxious children in my opinion. So be aware of what you're watching. Okay. And that kind of goes into number seven, which is be aware of what you're saying, because a lot of times we'll have adult conversations and we won't realize that our kids are listening, especially our anxious kids, because anxious kids love to listen. They're more in tune. And so, and because they're anxious, they kind of want to know like, what's going on? What's she talking about? Does it impact me? Is it about our family? Is it about our life? And so their ear is always halfway listening to your conversation. So be aware of that. So I have a lot of kids that will come to my practice and they will, they will know full conversations that are happening between their parents and their friends, their parents with each other. And the parents don't think that the kids know at all. A lot of times this actually happens with divorce. So total tangent, not related to anxious kids, but 
a lot of times the parents will come in and they'll be like, yeah, they don't know why we're divorced. They don't, you know, we, we don't have those conversations in front of them. And then I'll meet the child and they'll be like, oh yeah, my mom cheated on my dad. My dad's really upset. And my dad was talking to his friend and like, they'll give me like a play by play of everything that goes on. So don't be naive and think your kids aren't listening to you and be aware of what you're saying in front of your anxious kids. Okay. Number eight is if you're an anxious parent, how do you parent your anxious kid? And this can be really tricky. And so I actually, I do have another link. Hopefully I'll remember to link all these in the show notes, but you can check that out as well on being an anxious parent and um, parenting anxious kids, because just because you're an anxious parent doesn't mean that you're going to give your children anxiety or that you're the one that gave them anxiety. I feel like we beat ourselves up so badly about having anxious kids when we're anxious ourselves, but news alert anxiety is genetic. And so you could have been the calmest, you could have faked it till you made it and been like the calmest parent in the world and still have had an anxious child. So that being said, you can exasperate your child's anxiety, or you can minimize it depending on how you handle your own anxiety. So I'll throw myself under the bus and we'll talk about me for a little while. I, you know, everybody has anxiety themes. And I talk a lot about that in my um, parenting e-course, how to teach your kids to crush anxiety. And I talk about it a lot on my website, you know, that there are anxiety themes. And once you know your children's anxiety theme or your anxiety theme, it makes it a lot easier to tackle anxiety in general. Anyway, total side note, but one of my anxiety themes as maybe a child, but definitely as an adult has been choking. And when I had little, little kids, I was petrified that they were going to choke. And it didn't help that my first child had major reflux and would like choke on her own vomit. Sorry, don't mean to be gross, but she didn't help my anxiety. So anyway, I, I still have just that fear that my kids are going to choke. And with my first child, I think I made her very paranoid because I would say like, chew that a little bit better. or I wouldn't give her popcorn. I wouldn't give her hot dogs. I was really paranoid about what I fed her. And that's kind of how my anxiety manifested. I was relaxed in lots of other areas, but when it came to choking, I didn't do well. And so with my second and my third one, I was very aware to not do that. And so when I'm giving them hot dogs, even now, (laughs) confession, I will still at times want to split that hot dog in half vertically so that it is not the perfect size of their esophagus, (laughs) but I'm not going to highlight that to my kids. And so, you know, I might chop up their hot dogs, you know, before I'm giving it to them, but I'm not going to say, here's your hot dog, please don't choke or say to my 13 year old, Hey, get your hot dog and you should cut it diagonally so that, you know, you don't choke on it. I don't mention that at all. And in fact, if they're choking or they're coughing because they ate something and it swallowed wrong, I bite my tongue and I'm not like, but internally I'm like, oh my gosh, are you okay? (laughs) But I remain cool, calm and collect on the outside, but that takes a lot of work. And so ask yourself, what is your anxiety? If you have one, what is your trigger? And do you convey that to your kids? Like when my kids fall, you know, my initial gut instinct is to be like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I will literally bite my tongue and count to 10. And I've gotten better. So I really don't have to bite my tongue or count to 10 anymore. (laughs) But especially when they're little and they're falling all over the place all the time, and you're just waiting for them to stand back up and you're going to see blood everywhere. 
that was hard for me, but I didn't want to go like, <gasps> because I would do that. And sometimes I still like, I have a hard time controlling that where they fall and you're like, <gasps> and my husband would look at me and he's like, can you stop with the, <gasps> that's not helping. <laughs> so I have like purposely had to try to control my noise effects, <laughs> my sound effects. I mean, when something bad happens to them. Because I have to be like poker face mom and be like, oh, are you okay? Stand up. I think you're okay. But inside I'm like, oh my gosh, is your tooth going to fall out? Are you okay? So fake it till you make it on some level because your anxiety can be contagious. And if you want to be the rock for your child. And so when your child is freaking out and they're having panic or they're having anxiety, no matter what, the best way to help them is to be that solid base that they can lean on. And if you're not solid, then they're not going to be solid. You want to be there to support them and their worries and not be so panicky that you're kind of giving, you're oozing off all your anxiety onto them. Okay. The last one is spontaneity. So you might be this free spirit. You might love to just get up and go do things on a whim. You know, Hey, let's go on a weekend trip or Hey, you know, let's just, you know, take off and go somewhere else. But anxious kids tend to be plotters and planners. What might be fun spontaneity to you could be completely unnerving to your kids. And it depends on your child's anxiety, like to what level this could be. And so they might be like, or you might be like, Hey, you know what? How about we just take off for the next few hours and go go up north and go do something different. And maybe you had already told your anxious child that you guys were going to go to the grocery store, go out for lunch and then go home. But now you're changing plans. And if you have a really anxious child, they might not even be able to handle that. And that might be really overwhelming to them because they might say, no, no, no. You said we're going to go out to eat and we're going to go home. That's what you said. And you're like, yeah, but I, you know, I've changed the plans. They can't handle that. Now, some anxious kids can, and they can go with the flow and that's exciting. So you have to know what's good for your own kids. My kids like spontaneity, but they also like to be planners. And so if we have a family trip plan. I'll let them know. I'll say, okay, in three weeks, we're planning on going, you know, to California. And my middle son, who I've talked about before, you know, he'll get his calendar out and he'll, he'll say what date and he'll write it on his calendar and he'll be excited about it but he's also mentally preparing. And I have a big calendar in my kitchen and that's always really helpful for anxious kids just as a, another little FYI. And I'll write the trip down and they can see it coming. So you might want to curb that spontaneity a little bit if it's upsetting to your child, or at least give them a little bit of warning so that they know. So those are my nine tips of what you can do to help and what you should maybe avoid doing so that your children can blossom. I will leave some of those um, articles that I referenced in the podcast in my show notes, and you can check them out again at anxioustollers.com backslash PSP-006. So I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you're liking these episodes, if you can leave me a review and take 30 seconds of your time to do that, I would greatly appreciate it. As I referenced already, you can check out my website, And until next time, I hope you find the sparkle in every day. I'll talk to you in a few days. 
Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.